Well, as our campus pastors mentioned on the way in, you received our annual ministry report, and uh, I hope you have a few moments to read through it. And if you get to the end of this, and there wasn't a few moments where you just had to praise God, then you misread it. What the Lord has done, His faithfulness, is beyond what we can formulate into an adequate thank you, but so grateful for God's goodness and so excited about where the Lord is taking us. And on that note, um, I have another announcement to make. Uh, We praise God for Ebenezer's Coffee House And uh, it will continue to be a place where church and community cross paths, where we have all kinds of different meetings, where God does wonderful things, but uh, it just won't be the place where we're gathering on Saturday nights. And I'll tell you why. I don't have to tell you why if you're at our Saturday night (laughs) service, because sitting on cement and standing during services, and, and listen, we are a church that exists for the unchurched, for those who aren't here yet, and we want to be a place where you can invite your friends and introduce them to Jesus Christ, and it's kind of tough if you don't have a place to sit. Now, listen, everything's an experiment. I, I, we can't even see beyond the next several months, but we're going to experiment with a Saturday night service at our Barracks Row campus. The Lord has given us uh, that campus, and it's got uh, seating capacity for twice as many people, and it's awesome. And so we're just going to try it and believe it. Uh, that transition is going to happen the weekend uh, of March 3 and 4, and so that Saturday night Mark your calendars. Um, we are going to experiment Saturday night service, uh, Barracks Row beginning. And, and by the way, read your bulletin. I mean, we're going to try to um, have ministry for kids, kind of the whole nine yards. And so we, we want to do it, and uh, we're believing that God's going to bless it. Uh, we are in a series called If, and if you have a Bible, you can turn over to Second Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7. And we're going to focus on the promise in verse 14, but I want to give a little bit of context to this text and to this promise. And so starting in verse number one, uh, the Israelites, seven years, um, literally, uh, what was it, like 30,000 stone cutters and 3,600 foremen and like a seven-year building project and the Israelites complete construction on the temple and that's where we pick it up in verse number one so it's pretty exciting like it's the biggest the biggest thing that's ever happened in the history of Israel we have built a temple in verse one it says when Solomon had finished praying fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord uh, filled the temple. Now, we just read it and kind of then just keep on going. Do you think you would remember this? The day that fire filled the temple, and the glory of the Lord filled the, the temple. I mean, what, what a moment. The priest couldn't enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. I, I just want to make an observation like, okay, the Lord has blessed us with some properties and some buildings, and that's wonderful, but it's never about a building. 
It's about the glory of the Lord filling that place with his presence. It's never about a physical structure. It's not about an address. It's about the glory of the Lord. Because if the glory of the Lord shows up, then we're in business. Then we're in the Father's business. Then God is going to do something that's going to change your life. And so the glory of the Lord fills the The temple, when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came and the glory of God uh, and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed. That's what you would do too. Here's here's the deal. When you get into the presence of God, you read any passage in the Bible, I don't find one passage where they remain standing. There's one posture that just doesn't work in the presence of God. What I see is when people get into the presence of God, they are falling on their knees or falling on their faces. There should be moments in our lives where God just takes us to our knees, takes us to our faces, because we're overwhelmed by the glory of God. And they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worship and praise the Lord, saying, For He is good, and His mercy endures forever. Now, let me just pause right here for a moment. Uh, for he is good. God is good. All the time. Now, here's the deal. It's kind of like saying, like, God loves us. Man, you probably heard that a thousand times, but if you aren't careful, it can lose a little bit of meaning. By the way, I, I just, can I just say that God doesn't just love you. He likes you. So I think sometimes we give lip service to this stuff. Like, what does it mean that God is good? Because you can just say it, but until it gets into your spirit and you realize that God is good, until you realize that God is good all the time, then that relationship's gonna be off. Kilt. It's not because then you're not relating to who God is. God is good. So, <laughs> hey, keep it going. Um, so Laura and I were at the prayer breakfast a couple of weeks ago. I think I shared something about it, but the, the speaker, uh, Eric Metaxas, was talking about a season in, life, in his life where he had rejected God. And, and it just, please hear what I'm about to say. This could change your life, totally transform the kind of the way that, that you think about God. And, and he said that um, he, he had rejected God, and then he realized, okay, you ready for this? That the things he was rejecting weren't really God. How many people are rejecting? They think they're rejecting God, but what they're rejecting isn't God at all. They're rejecting religion. They're rejecting legalism. They're rejecting hypocrisy. Well, I reject those things. Jesus rejected those things. See, there are people who think they're rejecting God, but what they're rejecting is not God at all. Because God is good. Come on. God is good. Psalm 84, 11, no good thing will God withhold from those who walk up rightly before him. I like that, no good thing. God's not holding back. He's not holding out. Now we gotta posture ourselves, how, walking up rightly. Well, how do you walk up rightly? I think you get on your knees. I don't think you can walk up rightly if you aren't on your knees before God. And we'll talk more about posture, but listen, I think this weekend is about posturing ourselves so that the goodness of God can flood our hearts and lives. Um, no good thing. Well, then that makes me think of, of Psalm 34.10. Those who seek the Lord will, will lack 
no good thing. There it is again. Now, okay, are you getting the point here? Psalm 23. Surely goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. But here's the deal. That word follow, not a great translation from the Hebrew. It's a hunting term. In other words, the goodness of God is going to track you down. Hunt you down until the day you die. Why? Because God's good. There, <laughs> His goodness is coming after you. And you can turn your back on God. But the moment you turn around, you will find the goodness of God. Listen, I had a grandfather that the only time he used the name of the Lord was when it was in vain. I think he was 76, 77 years old. End of his life is in a hospital. Pastor comes to visit. I am eternally indebted to this pastor. Went and visited my grandfather. I don't know why. I don't know. But in that hospital room, my grandfather, for the first time, used that name in a prayer, gave his heart to the Lord Jesus. And here's what he discovered. You can run away from God for, for 77 years. You can use his name in vain, but the moment you will turn around, you will find that surely goodness and mercy has followed you all the days of your life. You might not be rejecting God at all, but not even know it. God is good. Man, the Lord's goodness just flooded my heart this week. I just felt like, let's start there, okay? Let's start there. All right, but let's keep going. Verse 8. At that time, Solomon kept the feast seven days, and all Israel with him, a very great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt. And on the eighth day, they held a sacred assembly, for they observed the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. Now, you see this word feast, keep keeps being repeated here um on the 23rd day of the seventh month sent the people away to their tents after the feasting joyful and glad of heart for the good that the lord had done for david for solomon and for his people israel thus solomon finished the house of the lord in the king's house and solomon successfully accomplished all that came into his heart to make uh in the house of the lord and in his own house i just want to pause here because i just don't I don't think we're great at feasting. Like there are some people like who don't want to go to church. Well, you ever been at a party you didn't want to be at? (laughs) Because it was not a party. Like this is not a party. I don't know what this is, but this is not a party. Listen, Church is where the party is at. This is where we ought to be celebrating and rejoicing. Why? Because we are sinners saved by grace. And we have a new lease on life, and God is good. And so there should be some serious celebrating going on. One of the distinctives should be the joy of the Lord in our hearts. Now, uh, on Tuesday, I'm so excited to welcome my friend Chris C., pastor's Ecclesia Church in Houston, wrote a book, uh, Place at the Table, 40 Days of Solidarity with the Poor. By the way, it might be a great book to pick up for Lent. Um, literally for 40 days, Chris did this fast where he ate like, rice and beans, a, a diet that would identify with what most of the world eats. And for 40 days, uh, had that diet and fasted everything else, and then gave the money that was saved on food 
to causes that would care for the poor. I mean, just a beautiful fast, and I love Chris for that, but you know what else? I've, I've shared several meals with Chris. The dude can eat. <laughs> he can throw down. He, in fact, when it's dinner time, it's like, it's like a feast. Now, Chris is the guy that, that introduced me to this idea of feasting and fasting, almost a yin and a yang, that this, this idea that these two things were meant to be done together. See, if you only feast and you don't fast, you don't enjoy it. Why? Because you're, you're overindulgent. It's called gluttony. See, here's the problem with our culture. We can have whatever we want, however much we want, whenever we want, and then we wonder why we don't enjoy it. And it's because we've indulged ourselves. Go ahead and feast, but you got to mix in the fasting. Now, if it's all fasting and no feasting, you're boring. Like, get a life, get something to celebrate. By the way, Lent, and I'll try to talk and touch on this a little bit. I grew up in a tradition, I didn't even know what Lent was. I kid you not. Okay, so I'm in seminary. Seminary. Yeah, yeah. Go up, get up, walk out if you need to right now, and then, you know, come back in. So, um, we go down to a taping of the, the Oprah show on... on uh, uh, one day when I'm in summer, I take Laura down and, and, um, and the producer comes out to brief us on like, you know, hey, they're going to hold cards up this when you clap kind of that whole night. And I, and I turned to Laura, I was like, Laura, the dude has dirt all over his forehead. <laughs> He's the producer of the Oprah show. Hello. Wash your forehead. Why isn't anybody on the crew telling him you have dirt on your forehead? Kind of laughing at him. Then the joke's on me. Ash Wednesday. I have no idea how I could grow up in my whole life never know this thing called Ash Wednesday where you put ashes. It's kind of a symbol of repentance and it begins a season of Lent. I don't know. But I accomplished it. And uh, what's interesting that for Lent, there is kind of this rhythm of fasting and feasting. Now, you know what? It's not really a, a biblical idea as much as, if it is, as Lent is a tradition, but feasting and fasting are biblical. And so what I kind of like about it, and I'd encourage you to fast something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast food um, during the day. I know you can fast fast food if you want to, too. Um, you can give up television, you can give up soda. The idea is to give something up, and then you create margin. You create room to be able to seek the Lord. And, uh, but what's, what's kind of interesting is that typically in, in traditional Lent, Lent practice, it's six days of, of fasting, and then the seventh day is called a feast day, where you, know, you don't fast whatever you want to then feast on. Um, it's kind of an interesting rhythm, and I think we've got to recapture that rhythm uh, in our, our walk with Christ. Are you with me? And so Tuesday night's going to be great. I think Chris will talk some about that, and uh, it'll be a great way to begin that Lenten season. All right, now let's get down to business. Verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, it kind of struck me just coming out of a, 
you know, the legend of Honi the circle maker, a drought, no rain, and then the, the prayer that's answered. Or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence amongst my people. Then verse 14, and we typically hear this just kind of in isolation by itself, but here it is, if, if, if. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. The Lord outlines four things for the Israelites to do, and I don't think anything's changed. If you want to see God, bring forgiveness, bring healing, bring revival, bring renewal, bring whatever it is that if you want to see the goodness of God begin to invade your life. Man, these are four things that have not changed. And so I'm going to outline these four things, and we're going to talk about them. I, I think that 2 Chronicles 7.14, I'm just going to tell I couldn't wait to preach this. I'll tell you why, because it was several weeks ago during our 21-day prayer challenge, weirdest thing in the world. I'm looking down at my phone uh, at 714. Sometimes I'll pray through my calendar, and, uh, and, and I look down at 714. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Like immediately, my heart goes to 2 Chronicles 714, and the Lord just kind of puts this idea in my heart that, that what if we circled one promise for 40 days what what if we just said hey we're going to circle this problem we're going to humble ourselves we're going to pray we're going to seek his face and we're going to turn from our wicked ways what if we did that what if all of us did that corporately together how would that change our lives personally and us corporately as a church and so i want to talk about these four things first of all humble yourselves humble yourselves honestly i think fasting is one way to do that it's a way to humble yourself before the lord and I've talked a little bit uh, about that. Um, but let me talk about 714. And, and uh, listen, it's not about 714. It could be 713 or 715, okay? It could be 822 or 637, a.m. or p.m. But I, I just felt like what if we leverage 714 a.m.? as a daily reminder to get on our knees and just humble ourselves before the Lord. Well, what would happen if, if we just practice humility in that way? I'm not talking about some empty ritual. Oh, no, it's 714, you come flying out of wherever you are and, kind of, you, know, um, you know, skid on your knees or whatever. I'm just saying, what if every day we said, God, I'm going to kneel before you because I am so desperate for you and so dependent upon you and I want more of you and I can't do this, but would you come and just help me? I humble myself before you. What if we all hit our knees every day for the next 40 days during Lent? What would happen? I want to ask you to consider committing yourself to just kneeling every day before. Now, it's not... Listen, it's not about a physical posture. It's about the posture of your heart. It's not about, you know, bowing the knee as much as it just, you know, bowing your will to the will of God. So again, but I found that, and there's nothing magical about kneeling, but there is something biblical about it. And there is something about taking a physical posture that postures my heart uh, and allows God to do what God wants to do. 
First Peter 5. You can jot some of these scriptures down because we're going to go to a few different places. It says, God opposes the proud but gives grace or favor to the humble. The first half of that verse scares me to death. If there's anybody I don't want opposing me, it's Almighty God. And my Bible tells me that God opposes the proud. How do you get God on your side? Well, we don't get into God's good graces by anything we do. We get into it by the merits of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done for us. But then we've got to posture ourselves in humility so that there's no obstacle, no hindrance, no blockage to what it is that God wants to do through us. You can be doing exactly what God has called you to do and God might be opposing you. How how could God be opposing his own will? You can be doing exactly what God has called you to do, but if you're doing it in a spirit of pride, then God is actually opposing you as you do what he has called you to do. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time there is some kind of connection between your knees and god's hand now the hand of god represents the sovereignty of god i think our knees represent humility would that be fair to say i just think something happens when our humility meets god's sovereignty there's something about call it a a knee-jerk reaction when we get on our knees the the knee-jerk reaction of god our father is to extend his mighty right hand and you know what here's what's amazing I I don't care who you are or what you do. You begin humbling yourself before the Lord and nothing can keep you down. Why? Because God is going to lift you up. Number two, pray. Humble yourselves and pray. Now, I'm not going to take as much time because we've been talking about prayer like crazy but I'm encouraged beyond words. I, I in, in the last few weeks, have heard so many testimonies that have just rocked me and built my faith that I'm, I'm a totally different person than I was a month ago. I'm not even the same person because of the faith that I borrowed from the testimonies I've heard. Every day, every day from NC Sears, from people reading The Circle Maker. It doesn't matter. Every single day, I'm hearing stories that you've got to be kidding me. God did that? On Friday, um, uh, there's going to be a, a deal in the last Saturday in April. Um, Joel Osteen's coming, and uh, they do this thing called Night of Hope. And so um, a few local churches and pastors were invited just to come and just hear about it and the pastor of ministries at lakewood church was there and um great guy we had a wonderful conversation um he had read uh the circle maker and he told me about he how he and his wife had started circling uh their eight-year-old son connor in prayer connor has autism and here's what they did they felt like they needed to begin circling him with the promises of god and and 
even further with promises of healing. They're just believing that God wants to touch their son and bring healing into his life. And so um, 30 promises they started circling and they would read them and declare them and believe them and pray them. What they didn't know is that as they were speaking these, Connor was memorizing them, all 30 of them. And the word began to kind of get into his heart. And I just, I thought that was such an awesome thing. And then a miracle happened. And I'll never forget what Craig said. He said, what one person may see as ordinary, another person may see as their miracle. Does that, does that make sense to you? He told me that their son, Connor, is not potty trained, eight years old. And they started circling him in prayer. For the first time in his life, he walked into a bathroom without any help and went to the bathroom. And as he told me that, he began to just cry. I mean, we're Friday, like we're just standing this close to each other. He starts to cry, and I start to cry. And I just reach out and kind of give him a a hug, you know, one of these. Um, (laughs) And because it's so little, but it's so huge. I mean, I don't care how big, how small. God cares about every detail of your life. And when we pray, we give God opportunity to move. So many of us have stopped asking. And Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. We need to pray. We're going to keep praying. Ah, oh, but we just came out of this 21-day prayer challenge. I thought we were done. Oh, we have just begun. We've got to press in and press on. We've got to stay humble and stay hungry. So we're going to bring our early morning prayer times back. Now, it's a little complicated because we've got so many small groups. They're just so problematic. <laughs> Meeting everywhere around the city. And so we're going to have to kind of be here, there. And, and these aren't meant to compete with our small Like, if you're in your small group, stay in your small group. But... We're going to do prayer Tuesday to, to Friday, um, 7, 14 a.m. Again, the only reason is just I, I want us to have that daily reminder to hit our knees. And so um, what is it? Tuesdays and Thursdays are going to be at our barracks row camp, and then Wednesdays and Fridays at Ebenezer's. Um, and I think your bulletin is actually a little bit different than that, but I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> so make a note of it. And uh, by the way, if you want to commit to being a part of this, I don't even know what to call it. Lent experiment, or how about experiment? <laughs> I like making up words. Um, or the 714 experiment, or whatever. You name it, whatever would be cool to you. How's that? But if you want to get in on it, um, we want to just try something. You know, we have this core value. Everything's an experiment. Um, and so you can, uh, you'll find this in your bulletin. You can text the word Lent to 775-237-4364. And what we're going to do is send you text messages every minute. (laughs) Uh, We're going to send you one text message every day. And you know what? We're going to send it out. We're going to try to hit that, that 714 deal. And you know what? Some days and maybe a few minutes before, that's not the issue. 
It's just, I think we want to have some prompt, something that reminds us, you know what? And there might be days that you forget, but there might be days at the end of the day, the last thing you do is kind of hit your knees before you go to bed. I, I just, let's humble ourselves before the Lord and you can commit to being a part of this. And I want to challenge you to do that. Um, you can send uh, that text uh, lent to that phone number and, uh, and get in on what God wants to do. And then we'll send you just this short message uh, on a daily basis. All right, number three, seek my face. Uh, humble yourselves, pray, seek my face. Now, here's what's so funny. As I was preparing this message, you ready? Uh, you know, the, is it called autofill? What is it like in Word? Yeah, and so I'm, 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 okay, so I'm typing on my keyboard, and um, I literally write out, seek my face, and it ends up, seek my Facebook. <laughs> and I think that's a word from the Lord for some of you. <laughs> because you spend more time on Facebook than you do seeking his face. Can I say that? <laughs> Listen, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I think that everything we've got to leverage as a mechanism to pray. And so, man, I, Facebook, I mean, praying for your friends on Facebook, praying for updates. Like if you didn't just consume the information, but you actually turned it into it. Do you realize like, oh my goodness, like Facebook would bring revival to America, um, Right? If we prayed it instead of read it, I don't know. Call me crazy. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. Don't seek opportunities. Don't seek healing. Don't seek, don't seek blessings. Seek God. Seek God. And opportunities will seek you. Blessings will seek you. The goodness of God will seek you. Listen, I, I have a confession to make that for a long time, I think I was seeking some things for the wrong reasons and if you're seeking those things then maybe you aren't ready for them i've learned that some of the dreams that god has given to me they're god-given dreams have to die and be resurrected in a different form why because i was going after those things for the wrong reasons and if you will die to them then the lord will open those things up you know um I just want to say a few encouraging things because I, you know, we have a congregation, we live in a city where, man, you want to make a difference. And I love that about you. Like, I love it. Like, we're not content to just kind of bide our time. Like, I, I think it's a generation that like, man, no, we want to change the world. And, and I think God wants us to. But, but let's not go about it the wrong way. Let's not just seek promotion. Let's seek God and the promotion might seek you. Listen, some of you, uh, you're seeking a husband or a wife. I think you're seeking a good thing. You're praying for a good thing. But you know what? You, you seek God. That person might start seeking you. <laughs> I had the weirdest thought. Did I just share this with you a couple of weeks ago? I was, when I was down at Southeastern speaking to these college students, I just, I just shared one little thing. It was, I've never had this thought before, but I, I know, you know, we're all single, and so I thought, you know, a little marriage tip might, you know, in terms of looking for someone that you might marry. And I, I just felt led to say, listen, I, I don't know. I mean, I know you might be looking for, you know, height, hair color, whatever. I, like, I don't know. Personality, facets, you know, all of that. I'm not saying that that isn't important to those things that you aren't considering, but I just I had this overwhelming sense, like, just 
I don't care who you marry. Just marry someone who worships the Lord. I am married to someone who worships the Lord. I love to worship next to my wife. It's one of the first things that attracted me to her because she was just relentless in worship. I was like, oh, I want to be around someone like that a lot. Can I tell you something else? If you seek God, you'll meet who you need to meet. The kingdom of God is the ultimate network. I just, I've been so overwhelmed lately that there's so many instances in the Bible where this person should have never met that person. That person should have never met. But you know what? I believe Proverbs 16, 9, God orders our footsteps. You're going to meet who you need to meet. If you seek God, then God's going to make sure that you don't miss that divine appointment. You know what? There was a day, stage, age, where I kind of wanted to manufacture things. All of us want things to happen kind of quicker than what God has. Usually that means we're not ready for it. And, and, uh, but I, I look at the last couple of years of my, my life, and you know what? I, I look at this week, and I, I share this as a testimony, boasting in the Lord and saying, Man, when, when you just focus on seeking the Lord, you're going to meet whoever you need to meet. So I was just taking survey of it this week, and, and I got messages, emails that from, um, from uh, athletes whose names you would know. Um, and, I, and I thought, like, I would never meet that person. There's no way that I could get a meeting with them. And now we're, we're dialoguing back and forth because they've read a book or been at a conference. And, and, like, I have this opportunity to be in relation. And I just love sports, and so I love athletes. I just love athletes. And, and like, I don't want to just watch you on TV. Can I, can I be a pastor to you? Can I minister to you? Can I speak into your life and challenge you to surrender your life to the Lordship of Christ? Can I, can I be that? And so, um, and then a college president calls me. Do you realize in the last couple of weeks, I've gotten four or five calls from people who said, hey, I read The Circle Maker. I read your chapter on life goals, and I'd like to help this goal or that goal or this goal happen. On Friday, it was a college president said, hey, I saw that you, one of your life goals is to speak at a commencement, and I'd like to invite you to come and speak at our commencement. Um, I... If I try to make the appointment, if I try to make it happen, it's not happening. It's, it's forced. Um, uh, and, and then um, uh, conversation with the philanthropist that could be interesting. <laughs> and then a Broadway producer. Laura and I had just seen this show on Broadway like two months ago. Uh, the producer of that show emails me and said, I had read your book and wanted to see if you and your wife ever wanted to, to come up and, and see a show. And I was like, I just saw it. <laughs> Can we bring our whole team back up? Would that be? Um, I, here's what I see when I read the Bible. Daniel didn't have a Rolodex. He's not networking. He's not on Facebook. He's not doesn't have any angles. He doesn't have any cards to play. Listen, his his story defies political science, but it defines the power of prayer. Because God God got him right where he needed to be, um, and so he didn't have to network his way into a prime minister position. 
What did he do? He met with God three times a day. Guess I'm going to make sure you meet everybody you need to meet. Same thing with Joseph, right? It's these divine connections. Listen, God will set up the divine appointments. We've got to seek his face. Let's not just seek his hand. Let's seek his heart. Let's seek his face and say, God, it, all this other stuff doesn't matter. See, because here's the deal. Some of you, your dream is more important to you than your relationship with God. And when that happens, God becomes a mechanism. You start using God and God will not be used. And, and then at that point, the dream that God has given you becomes your idol. And that means then you got to kill it and start all over again. It's just all I'm saying is like, just seek the Lord. Well, how? Prayer, man, bam, that'll get you in the presence of God. Worship, get you right into the presence of God. Fasting, it'll take you farther and faster. It'll get you there. And then here's what's so beautiful. Are you ready? Um, Oh, by the way, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. What am I saying? Don't seek opportunities, seek God, and opportunities will seek you. Don't even seek answers. Seek God, and the answers will seek you. They will find you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I think sometimes we just, we act, and we betray our lack of faith in the sovereignty of God. Sometimes you just need to back off. You need to let go and say, I'm going to let God. I'm going to take my hands off. I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to press it. Listen, I'm not saying you don't fill out an application. You don't make a phone. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, seek God. All these other things will be added unto you. Don't seek them second or third or 10th. Seek him first. Finally, sake of time, and turn from your wicked ways. I'm going to say it again. If you don't build a prayer habit, you'll never break the sin habit. You got to get into prayer if you're going to get out of sin. Humble yourselves. Pray. Seek my face. And then what? And then turn from your wicked ways by the way here's what's tough about fasting it's really not real pleasant at first i kind of had this thought this week as i really thought about because when i go into a season of fasting here's what happens i i have a heightened sensitivity to the holy spirit which is awesome because then the spirit begins to prompt me and i see opportunities all around me all of the time to share a word of encouragement share a comfort share my faith with someone just you know to make a difference but then also the conviction goes up. See, if prayer is an x-ray, then fasting is an MRI. It is magnetic resonance imaging of your heart. And God will expose things in fasting that you don't want to see. I don't, Lord, I don't want to see that. I'm sorry, it's your MRI. <laughs> but until we fix that, until we say, God, I'm, I'm, what, what did David say? See if there be any wicked way in me. And so we got to press in. You see, the danger with this 21-day prayer challenge is that we fall back into old habits, old routines. No, we have a new normal. There's a new normal around here. 
What is normal is getting into God's presence. What is normal is a daily walk, taking up our cross daily. What is normal is pressing in and saying, I I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and I want more. Give me seconds, give me thirds. I crave God more than I crave anything else. That's normal. That's what we're pressing into. You know what? God will begin to change your heart. Here's what will happen. The more time you spend in God's presence and in God's word, eventually you can't get enough. God will begin to change your appetites. Almost like when an appetite changes um, uh, when, when, when you get pregnant. When you get pregnant, I mean, you, I'm referring to ladies. <laughs> what was that reaction? Although we have three kids and some of my appetites have changed too. When you get pregnant with the Holy Spirit, your appetites will change. Begin to change your appetites. All right, we better bring this thing in for a landing. If you have cancer in a part of your body, you'll remove that part of your body to save your life, won't you? Isn't that kind of what Jesus was saying when he said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You've got to remove sin. You've got to eliminate the option. You've got to step back from the temptation. You've got to cancel the movie channels that tempt you. You've got to get an accountability partner in your life. You've got to quit cheating, quit stealing, quit lying. You've got to cut off that relationship. You can't just kind of ease your... There is no... like. You've got to cut it off. There's no nice way of saying that. There's no easy way of doing it. There's no way in which it's not painful. It's hard to turn from your wicked ways, but if you do it, then I'm standing on a promise this weekend that the Lord will hear from heaven and he will forgive our sin and he will heal our land. You know what? I want it to start with me. I want to be the first person that says, God, do a new thing, a new thing in me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, And I will heal their land. Lord, that's our prayer this weekend. We stand on the word of God. We circle a promise that you gave so long ago. And we believe that you want to do what you want to do. More than we want you to do what you want to do. God, you want to invade our lives with your goodness. You want to fill our lives with your glory. God, you you want to lift us up, but we've got to humble ourselves. God, you you want to answer those prayers, but 100% of the prayers we don't pray won't get answered. God, you want to reveal yourself in new ways, but we've got to seek your face. And oh God, you are so ready, willing, and waiting to bring forgiveness, but we've got to turn from our wicked ways 
We've got to confess and repent so that you can come and do a new thing and give us a new song. And so that your mercies are new every morning so that we can begin a, a new day, a new life. We are new creations in Christ. Let it be so. In Jesus' name. Amen.